Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Pride Month, everybody. What a crazy time it is. So I have decided to um, drop this episode this week with my friend, my now friend, and fabulous human being, Miss Coco Peru. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm Coco Peru. And uh, I have to say, I'm very excited that you're on because... You have, and I just dawned on me, and, the, and the, you pop into my life so many different times, starting in the 90s, um, up until now, of course. Uh, of course, everyone always talks about the movie Trick, um, but I believe if I back up a little bit more, Tu Wong Fu uh, was something, it's interesting because I look at the way I you know, I like was qu- I started to become like into my own and came out of the closet, and I just don't. It always dawns on me when I start talking to people that I've looked up to for a really long time that they're the ones that influenced me uh, to become myself and like to actually, um, unbeknownst to me, really, because I didn't know what I was watching at first because I was younger and I didn't get that's what that was. I just right. enjoyed it. I enjoyed. Right. Seeing you, I enjoyed. I didn't put like any connection to it other than that I enjoyed it um, without a label. You know, like I didn't. That wasn't a thing. I can re- I can't remember myself having that. Um, does that um, happen often for you? Does like because you've done so many different things and um, you popped up in culture and culture in such a great way? I think, anyways. Uh, what has that been like for you? Um, and, and that in regards in terms and that, in those terms. Uh, well, I'll first start off by saying I also I know exactly what you're talking about because I've had those same experiences with um, you know I remember watching. I was babysitting my neighbor's kids and they I think they had HBO and I caught Charles Pierce do a show mm. that mm. had been filmed and you know I didn't know what drag was I didn't ever think I'd be a drag queen. I wasn't even out. I mean, I was young and I, but I, I remember it resonating with me. And once it was done, you know, back then there wasn't the internet or any way of rewatching something. And so it was just a memory I had and I wanted to see it again. I wanted to hear him again. And I felt that same way about um, the puppeteer uh, Waylon Flowers and his puppet Madam. I mean, yes. It was not a drag queen puppet, but it was a man giving voice to this female puppet. So in a way, it, it was drag. And, you know, I just was obsessed with Madam. And, that, you know, I discovered later, well, no wonder it was, it was a gay man giving voice to this female character. She was bawdy. And it was a gay 
you know, gay sensibility that I was responding to. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about and, and, and how it shaped me without me even realizing it. It's, um, uh, yeah. And so I've had that experience, and I certainly love when young people come up to me and say exactly what you said and how maybe Trick helped them come out because it was the first gay movie they saw or you know i'm i'm just surprised that for the little bit that i'm in tu wong fu i can't believe how many people come up to me and say how much they loved me in that what was probably seconds if you added up that i was on on camera <laughs> i know but it's like one of those moments that you always remember because it is an iconic moment because it's so specific to what the to how the movie started and and i and I think that um well I, and the thing is too, like I know Joey Arias, and I didn't even realize that was him that that was Joey Arias either, like in those terms, like doing those things and and like people uh, so it's like uh but in my mind, they stick out so strongly, I just right. I, I can never I can never get them, I can never get them out of my head um you know, and uh what I like so I do have a question because people like to know this, and uh where did the name? Coco Peru come from? Oh God, I feel like I should write a book uh, just because it's a question. I, <laughs> I, I, I always feel badly ask, answering the question because I feel like, oh, people have heard this story before. But for those of you that maybe are listening that didn't, I had a boyfriend named Eduardo who is Peruvian. We're still friends. And he was okay. my first love. And I went to his country with him to visit. And I went to a gay bar, which was very... Um, underground kind of you had a knock on the door and this is a very homophobic catholic country and Mm. we went into this gay bar i was introduced to a very cute boy named coco who later was introduced over the loudspeaker and came out on stage as this glamorous showgirl and i learned later that this coco person uh was very famous in peru and was on television all the time Uh, was often interviewed, and I thought, how bizarre that in a country so Catholic, so homophobic, where you actually have to knock on a secret door to get into a gay club, a drag queen is celebrated Uh, and embraced and loved. And I just, that empowered me, and it got me thinking about owning 100% of who you are, that people can't deny any longer you know yes yeah and so that got me thinking about drag as being a powerful vehicle for reclaiming one's voice for uh being an activist for all of that and um and so that's where the name came from i came home and called the club and said i'm gonna do a show in three months and then after i booked the show i realized oh shit now i've got to write a show so I started writing, and I called myself Coco, just in honor of that drag queen. And then Amazing. I tagged on the Peru, because that's the country where I first started thinking about it. And then I added the Miss, because I loved Lady Miss Keir from, um, from um, oh God, why am I blanking? Delight, the music, the, the group Delight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love that. What a that's actually 
Yeah, you definitely need to write a book because that's like a, like a pretty much that could be a whole chapter just on you going there and going underground and um, that sounds like a movie. It doesn't even sound real. Um, and and of course but, Peru has you know I think Peru like everywhere it has evolved. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I know, think and not so Costa Rica. You know, people are most people are out now in 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 Lima, so it's it's a different. Everywhere is different. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's quite um, outstanding, especially like Costa Rica. I think they just passed gay marriage, which is amazing, and um, it's a weird balance we're keeping right now, especially during quarantine and everything that's going on with um, the riots that happened in the, that are happening, and and um, or protests turned into riots um, that are happening in Minneapolis, and trying to keep your head on. I mean, like I have to figure. I gotta figure something out um, because it's a funny balance that we play in this world, right? Like we, for someone, when, like for you coming up, right? I just I read I did do it a little digging and I read that this is so old school and I love it because you used to go around and spray paint Miss um, Coco Peru she knows on sidewalks. Is that true? Yes. I think that just brings me back to how you found out things were going on, like, the normal way, in my mind, the normal way, not, like, just through social media or just through, you know, the Internet platform that we, that we have. I think that is um, more powerful in a way because it makes it more exciting for people to actually discover it on their own um, instead of being shown everything. So, it was a different well, world back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but I do appreciate... And this is why I wanted to talk to you, too, because I do appreciate, like, you um, do the things. So you've, like, a, I don't want to say adapted, but you have. You've moved forward, and you're like, well, I'm going to make these amazing videos, the videos that you make online on YouTube, and then um, currently the ones that you're really making being in quarantine. What has <laughs> – do you laugh at yourself, or do you just, like – do no. you – is there <laughs> – you, no, I don't. Do In fact, I'm I'm amb- I'm embarrassed when people come up to me and say, "Oh my God, I love you, Coco," and I, I, you know, and then I find out that they they only know me from my videos, and I I say, "Oh God, I'm I'm embarrassed because to me the videos are silly, and what I really do on my theater pieces and my that I you know painstakingly write. <laughs> yeah, and the videos yeah, yeah. is just me talking off the top of my head, but I've but I've learned to um, accept that um, people are, get a value from it. And yeah. I also love that people know me that way and then they come see my show and they're, they're even a bigger fan from because they didn't expect what they got from my theater shows. And also I, I, lo- I appreciate that young people, um, especially young teenage girls who maybe feel society is pressuring them to be a certain way yeah uh, when they see see me out walking in public dressed in full drag at my age and not really giving a shit what anybody thinks i think they find that um i'm a role model for them yeah i mean, I mean i'm not saying really. i think that i think i uh, what i'm saying is that's what they tell me right right um, well if- for those that are listening, you need to go see Coco Live because my next question is, 
Um, have you – two questions. Have you always been a writer, like before Coco? And um, has writing helped you develop um, who you are as a, just a human through your shows? I, I loved writing when I was a kid. I loved writing stories. Yeah. Um, but one, once I created Coco and I, I, I started writing – I, you know, I can look back and go, oh, my God, I, it was terrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you do evolve. And some of it was good, um, but you evolve as a writer. And you get, yeah. you know, if you practice your craft and you get better. And that's what, why New York was so wonderful back then was that you had, if you were going to get a review in the newspaper or get any kind of attention, you had to work hard at, developing your craft. So I was going out every night practically, you know, to promote my show and singing in clubs and, and um, having to write new material. And so I developed my shows, you know, over, over time. And I definitely do think the writing and even just being in drag in the world has helped me as a person evolves and it's given me i always say that um you know we're born into this society and we operate within it but sometimes when you step out of the box that really gives you a better perspective of things things and how they work and so drag has helped me step out of that box and sort of see things more clearly and definitely yeah. when you're in drag, it's just when you're out there in the world, people treat you differently. You, 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 it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a, I think it's a great perspective. I've always been a, a fan of the art of drag, uh, but I've been more of a fan of going to, this is just something me and my husband both love, is going to a theatrical experience with drag versus the club. We don't really go to clubs, which is nothing wrong with it. We just, we don't stay up past 10 o'clock. <laughs> right. So we're not going to go, and the person goes on at, you know, midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, which is, I support my friends, but um, from afar with tips. And, uh, but we enjoy the theatrical experience. Like, when we've seen you, when we see How to Lettuce, like uh, uh, Father Jean, like all those, all those ladies, like we just understand that better. I don't know, for some reason. And um, so, and the storytelling is so important to us. And I think you're an excellent, oh God, you're an excellent storyteller. Um, yeah, and it's, it's more, um, I would say it's very old. I, I shouldn't say it's old school, but it, it's just a different, it's a different kind of experience, you know, and actually, um, when you see a show like Varla Jean Merman or certainly my show, which is, you know, monologues and storytelling, or like you mentioned, Hedda Lettuce, who's a really great comedian. But even just seeing a comedian, you have to listen, yeah. you know, and you have mm -hmm. to be engaged. And, yeah. and it's in that engagement between an artist and an audience where this intimacy happens. So even if you're, you know, even if you're just watching a, you know, Hedda do her comedy or, or Varla do her, you know, broad, lots of broad 
stuff and Pratt falls. She doesn't do so much of that anymore now that she's getting older. But definitely it, that was part of her shtick. It, it, yeah. it does create an intimacy between the audience and the artist. And I think that's probably what you're responding to. Where sometimes that can get lost in a big club setting where it's um, a queen lip syncing. You might you know, you might love the song and whatnot, and that's a whole different experience, but it, it, it's probably not as intimate as what you're talking about as a theater experience. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it was two summers ago you were in P-Town and you, uh, you started to do one of your monologues in your show, and uh, it totally, there was, I mean, it's truthful. You're just being truthful. I think that's the other part to it, too, is like, there's so much truth that comes out in, in your writing specifically. And then the people that we all, me and my husband, always get attracted to is because that actually is funny. And that I, we have to take the time to get to that funny. Or even if it is a tragic story or whatever, there's still the humor that gets brought into it. So you're, you can go on that journey and that ride, which is really just like the funnest thing. Or Larla, like you said, who is total slapstick crazy, but really smart. And does those crazy? Oh my jokes. God, she's so intelligent. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like people so always smart. say, like, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, that's okay. No, I was just going to say that people sometimes will say they'll see my show, or they'll come back and see it again, and they said, "Oh my God, it's like word for word." Mm-hmm. They don't realize all the work that goes into putting up a show. Yeah. And how much artists who really are in it for the art, how much they really Mm -hmm. care about their audience. Yeah. And so when you feel, when you go to see a show and the queen is done her homework and offering that to you, you're, you're, you're getting it. You know, you're on another level. You're appreciating how much work has gone into this. You might not be thinking about all of that work that's gone into it because you're engaged in the comedy and the story, but on another yeah. level, you're getting it. And I always say this, if, 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 an, if a performer has to keep asking the audience, are you having a good time? <laughs> Chances right. are they didn't do their work. No, no, they're just pulled, they're working or the work, they're like, <laughs> they didn't do their work and then they're overworking on stage where it's like, I feel really uncomfortable watching you right now. <laughs> they're really uncomfortable watching you right now um did you always um with with miss coco peru did you always feel comfortable being um on like a set with and then being able to uh uh use your name in movies like i don't know like i don't know what it's like for someone who has this amazing drag persona but then it also gets to be just personified in movies are captured on film or TV um, forever and ever. Was there a moment where you felt like, because um, I often hear that sometimes people are like, oh, I wish I could have just used my real self and I wish I was just, you know, that my, they used my real name, but then other people are like, I don't really care. This is who I am. What do you, oh, did you feel comfortable? And like, was that ever a thing for you? No, I always felt comfortable um, being Coco. I wanted the world to experience Coco, and I even always thought of, you know, um, you know, I love when I go into a project and it's, you know, Coco Peru as, you know, playing another character, and it's, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. funny okay. to me that, yeah. yeah, I love that. 
Um, but I'm oh, okay, also that's... open to sometimes when I'm on television and I've played a role um, and they've had me wear a different wig and have a completely different look and I'm, I'm cast as my real name, Clinton Loop, as you know, this other character. Uh-huh. I trained to be an actor so in college, so I'm, I'm open to doing other things as well. It's just that Coco Peru was such a, a hit, really, when I started doing it in New York City and people were responding to what I was doing, that it, it took off. It was never meant to be the only thing I did. But once it became that, I became very comfortable with it and I enjoyed I enjoyed the success that I was having with Cunkelin, and so I never really looked back. Were and you I able no, to? I have no regrets about it either. Were you able to? Um, how quickly were you able to just be Miss Coco Peru, like uh, just doing it like full time? Hmm. I think from the beginning. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, there were nights where I paid where I lost money <laughs> and I paid, yeah, I had to run to yeah. the ATM yeah. and empty out my checking account. But, um, <laughs> oh, I've been there. You know, yeah. Those, fortunately, I was able to survive. Yeah. You know, I used to stick my ATM card in and pray, please come out, please come out, please come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like, I think it's in there. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Because some of the, you know, in, in, the New, in New York City, I don't know if it was like this back then, but if you couldn't, say you just had an off night and you couldn't get as many people as you want there sometimes, they charge you like this like crazy fee or they like, um, so like uh, my husband. That was, not, and... that was not the case in um, the okay. cabaret clubs. The cabaret okay. clubs, that's why they were so wonderful and that's why it's so sad so many of them have closed because well, I didn't even realize, it wasn't until I left New York City that I realized I was really working with some of the best people mm-hmm. as far as piano players and, and going to see other people's shows of, you know, people who were so talented that maybe never got fame. Right. But boy, did they know, did they know how to entertain, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of what's sad about cabaret clubs closing because they offered young artists a beautiful space with a beautiful sound system to do a show every week uh, free of charge. They just wow. made their money off of drinks. Yeah. And the, so took part of the cover, you know. <laughs> no, they, they took don't. part of the cover. And, you know, there were nights when I only had four people and everybody was just as excited, you know, I shouldn't say excited, but everyone was just as committed <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> to working your show, you know, the yeah. servers and whatnot. Because yeah. well, they were also performers. Well, well, people don't... I think what's confusing, too, is because there are, like, places like the Duplex and Don't Tell Mamas and all those things that you can do, like, a cabaret, but there is a huge difference between a cabaret actual performer, a storyteller, someone who is... is is um oh my god what's her name she was in p-town last summer um she's so famous in the cabaret world and she's so unbelievable oh god i can't think of her name anyway what a, she's a fantastic storyteller and like you just you're just there 
versus a lot of people just showcase their like audition book and like they just sing songs and they don't really. Oh, I yeah, I know. A, we I used to make fun of those kind of performers because yeah. I just it was like they were on stage, you know. Just to, um, I don't want to discredit you know. the talent, but I'm just like it's not that interesting, and I you, you right. get sick of going to those because it's like right. Well, what is what is the what is where's the, where's the moment? What's the um what's the first I don't know if it exists, but what's the first place you can remember? Um, well, what's the first place you performed in? Do you remember New York City? My first, my first cabaret show. Uh, yeah, your first cabaret show. When I left college, on I, I, just very quickly, I sort of got the idea to do cabaret shows when I was in college because part of our theater program was that we had to do these cabaret shows where you would be cast, but there was absolutely no material. And you had two weeks to come up with skits oh. that would be presented. And there was a director that would help, help you form it and all that. And then our musical director was Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent. I and just watched the video on that. <laughs> oh yeah, my so God. He, had gone, he had gone to our college. So uh, the two... The two um, the two cabarets that I had been cast in were with, fortunately, it was, it was Jonathan's music that we were singing. And wow. so, um, I, you know, and I loved Jonathan even before he was the Jonathan Larson the rest of the world knew. Right. And, and one of those cabaret shows, we actually went, were invited into Manhattan to perform it. And... Um, I forget what room it was in, but we did that. And that's sort of where I thought, I love this idea of these small, intimate rooms, but our cabaret shows in college were, you know, they were political and they were naughty and they were trying to raise yeah. consciousness. And so that's what I was attracted to. So Coco yeah. Peru, when I first started Coco, that's what I, I wanted to create. And my first cabaret show ever, not as Coco, but as a boy, was in Downtown Mama. Oh, wow. And I'm okay. pretty sure it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But, oh, it's supposed to happen. Who cares? Yes. But um, Sydney Meyer, who was the booking agent who uh -huh. booked me, liked me. And yeah. so when I wanted to book my show, as Coco at Rose's turn, he okay. booked me there. He gave me, okay. he gave me the um, go ahead. And so my first Coco Peru show was at Rose's turn. Then I had a show running simultaneously at 88, which was, which was on West 10th street, right across from the police station. Okay. And there was a, there was a police officer that was obsessed with me. It was creepy. <laughs> And then, um, well, you know his name. And and then I moved over to the West Beth Theater, which was set up like a cabaret club, but um, it was larger. And um, and then I did. You had a musical director with you the whole time. I had several musical directors mm -hmm. okay. uh, you know, over the years, and okay. they were all from the cabaret scene. I love it. Yeah, yeah. They, were all, uh, they were all amazing. 
Like you said, in fact, like, Michael you, Orland, do you know Michael Orland? Oh yeah. He, yeah. He, he now works on, um, American Idol. He, he yeah. only, we met, we knew each other in New York, but he only played for me once I was out here in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I love, see, but, but that's the connection that, you know, someone like Jonathan Larson and Michael and like, if, and, and if you work well together and you get along and you're a nice person, you know, like, and you just continue to grow together and keep kind of, that's kind of cool when all of a sudden, like, your career has done whatever your career has done in, in, in entertainment business and you become famous or known. Uh, and then you can just call in all your friends and still have that feeling that you created so many years ago. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do look back at my early career, and I look at some of the people I was coming up with, and where they are now. Like Billy Porter was mm-hmm. one of the people yeah. I hung out with, and you know, look at his so career now. It's just incredible. And the incredible. thing is, it's like we rec- we recognized his talent back then. We saw the sure. talent. It's just the world wasn't ready for him. No, I mean, um, there's a. It's, at that time, but they, right. the world caught up, and he's great. Who, I yeah. mean, there's so many people I can, I can think of that are I love, incredible. I love that. I, I heard Billy Porter on the Grease soundtrack, and I was right. Like, that's another person where I was like, who the f- is this person? I, yeah. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. It was, that was in 1995, 96 or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when they revived it. And I was like, I don't understand, like, what this is. It's also when Rent was out. I'm, I'm obsessed with Rent. Um, and, like, so those are all the things that were, like, boiling into me. And I was like, I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> I Do love you musicals. Who, who, uh, not that I uh, worked with um, this person, except, um, you know, when he was playing uh, piano in the cabarets and I would go in to promote and he would play and uh, I would sing with him and he, and he, he was hilarious. Is Seth Rudetsky. Oh, I love his, it. Right. And so, and now he has his big career, oh, yeah. you know, on serious yeah, I mean, radio and playing for all these big Broadway divas that, you know, Broadway back show. then he yeah. loved. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. incredible to see that. Do you, do you know Jason Robert Brown? Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm a musical theater geek, so... And okay, Bradley so he Boyce. was another, he was another um, one of those people that was, you know, just yeah. around and doing his cabaret shows, so... And then we, we were all, at the time, friendly with Liza Minnelli, so... Um, yeah. You know, she was well, supporting she hang out, young like all, careers. Yeah. She yeah. used to hang out at 88s, and... Yeah. She Marie would come Price see our show. Down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, that's just, uh, I think when I, people seem uncomfortable to a lot of people, yet if you're in the musical theater world and they're in the musical theater world and the music business and you're you're all um, get connected in such an um, interesting way. And, like, you don't necessarily, when you show up for people, when people are like, oh, do you get starstruck? Do you, do you meet famous people when people ask those questions? And you're like, I don't get starstruck. I get more, like, um, inspired. And, like, if it's someone that I look up to, I don't really care if you're famous. I only I care that you did respect like the work is like really awesome and like you're a cool person and uh, and you are. You, I can go up to you and be like, oh my god, you're, thank you, thank you for doing the yeah. thing that you're doing, and and yeah. I really appreciate that and this business because it's you know it's 
my parents, everyone used to think I was a little bit of a glamorous life uh, when I went off and started dancing professionally. And I was like, do you know how much I get paid? Well, I always like, say that. Sure. People think, oh, you have such a glamorous life. And I'm like, yeah, well, not so much when I'm, you know, pulling suitcases, you know, out of the back of a taxi or, you know, <laughs> no. out of a car and lugging oh, them no. through a hotel and things are falling and I'm cursing. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, so... That's Not just it, like, numbers. no, my husband's a B. Arthur impersonator with the Golden Gate NYC, and it, when we travel, of course it looks like we're having, we are having a good time, don't get me wrong, but there are literally, like, six suitcases, I have three drag queens with me, which is a lot, and, you know, I'm the musical director, and, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, it looks really fun, I go, it is fun, but I will tell you, the work it takes in the time and getting to a room or a space in a theater when you're on tour specifically. Um, who who is, is your husband? Jason B. Schmidt. And, uh, and he the, does um, B. Arthur? B. Arthur. Yeah. They, oh, um, wow. They, As part of what did you say? The Golden Gaze NYC. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are a musical parody group of the Golden Girls. And they got together three years ago. Um, because they used to have the Rouleau Cafe in Harlem. It was the um, Golden Girls-themed restaurant by Michael LaRue. And uh, wow. it had all of her stuff in there. It had her Emmy, her piano, her script. And on a whim, they were like, let's get dressed up and go there, because he had been doing B. Arthur since 2010. And uh-huh. they did it. And then, boom, boom, boom. They just kind of took off. It was really fantastic. That's um, amazing. Yeah, but... It, going back to it is glamorous on the outside <laughs> but man do we work our butts off to get <laughs> to point a to point I know. um did, and did i don't you, think that ever stops. what i don't think it ever stops either you know like as long as you continue to oh no no liza said that to me years ago i was telling her how fabulous it was to have spent a weekend with her and just um you know, I I watched, you know, she had the people doing our hair, her makeup. There was someone there to take care of her costumes. There was someone, you know, it was just like everything just ran like this beautiful, wonderful machine. Yeah. And I said, oh, God, I just wish I had all of this all the time. And she said, oh, honey, just remember, even when you get to my level, that just means there's another whole level of bullshit you have to deal with. <laughs> and, um, and it's true. <laughs> It's so it's true. true. It's so true. It's like, it doesn't, I think that's the misconception of the entertainment business across the board. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. And, uh, and I love it. I love, um, I've been so, around famous people who, you know, cry over things. And I'm like, I can't believe, you know, it just seems unreal to me. So, yeah, but I mean, they're it human. Does. It does. They're human. Absolutely. They're human. And, and it doesn't matter how many um, sets you walk on or how many um, stages you get on in front of people. Mm-hmm. People are still going to be people. And I think that's what's confusing when it gets so glamor- glamorized um, right. all the time, if you're into that, like if you're totally into all the social medias and, and trying to follow that nonsense craziness. I love. But I do love social media. I just think it's an interesting platform, <laughs> uh, psychologically anyway. Um, uh, so normally with this quarantine, you would 
normally you would be um, possibly going to P-Town this summer, right? Or doing some tours. Uh, I would still be out on tour at the moment. And uh-huh. uh, I would be actually now, right now, because I had surgery on my shoulder. And oh, that yes, had been canceled, but now it, it, it went through. So I'm at home recovering from that. And I would be getting ready to leave for Spain, where my husband is from, and that's where we spend our summers. Unfortunately, that's not happening this year. Um, mm-hmm. But considering everything that's going on in the world, um, I still feel very blessed that I have a roof over my head, have a beautiful yard, I have a swimming pool, so I feel like I really cannot complain. <laughs> That's great. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I really can't complain. I have my husband, my two doggies, my backyard, my front yard. And, you know, I have a car to go somewhere if I need to. We live by the ocean. Right. So, you know, it's, I can't really – I did have a moment of – because I'm an extrovert, I'm an extreme extrovert – and I love, love people, and I'm a, a theater arts teacher, and I choreograph shows. And so, like, I did have a moment of literally all of that being canceled. <laughs> so I was like, uh, fudge, what am I going to do? Um, had a moment, but the moment passed. And it was tricky because people I knew um, were getting really sick, and I had a friend in ICU, uh, and intensive care for 44 days with it. And so it, it was a little like, huh. This is real. This is really, you know, this is really happening, and and it's hard to watch people not take it serious or do whatever they feel like doing. Yeah, so, you have to keep things in perspective. Yeah, exactly. But I really do appreciate you. Uh, keep making those videos. I do miss the ones where you go to like the dollar store, or the Family Dollar. I do miss those. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh well, of course, but I'm not gonna go out shopping. People have said, no, when are you no, gonna no. start your videos again? It's like there's a pandemic, people. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Oh, God. Fans expect is, some things that are just make me laugh. Um, but I'm, I am start, I know. I am going to start an online weekly thing called Casa Coco, okay. and it's okay. free. Um, so people can just come there and visit me in my home, and uh, it's okay. live, so we can hopefully interact with each other. And I'm Perfect. looking forward to that. What um, platform is that on? A social media I don't platform? know. I, I, I don't know, darling. Oh. It's, I forget what it, <laughs> it might be on Vimeo. Vimeo, I think. But okay. you, have to, um, you will get, um, you'll get a ticket to the show, and then you, you join it, the show. Oh, I see. Okay. You get a okay. ticket, cool. but it's, it's, it's not a, you're not paying for the ticket. You're just, like, reserving right. the spot. So, reserving yeah, that's spot. it. Yeah. That's um, fantastic. That's Ms. Yeah. doing that bingo like that. Um, that's, that's the same platform. Whatever platform she's okay. on, that's what – because we it. work with the same, same person. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's a great platform, actually. It's a sim- yeah. See, I think it's simple. People help you with it and do it with you. So exactly. Like I'm, I'm not technical at all, so that's why I'm working with oh, these people so that, that they, they can do it. And, um, and really, that's it. Um, you know, when this is, Great. I do my cameos when I can. Yep. Um, and that's it. I love it. Well, what a quick way to end the interview, um, an abrupt way. We did have another conversation um, off the record. Um, Coco, Miss Coco Peru has lived 
at a fantastic light. She's amazing. She knows lots of um, fabulous, famous people that we all know and love. Um, but I just wanted to give you a slice of joy inside of all the chaos that is happening. Please visit um, Miss Coco Peru on Instagram and social media. And um, watch her show. Uh, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's everything you could want right now. And just to have a good time. So I wanted to thank my on-air sponsors, Michael J. Gabraskis and Jose de la Cuesta, for um, being my top, top, top Patreons. Um, you know, the podcast wouldn't be possible. Um, how great the dog's barking in the middle of this. So that's okay. I'm going to leave it. So if you're interested in becoming a patron of Quarantine Podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Quarantine Podcast and become a patron. You can basically become a subscriber and get all the perks that come along with your donation a month. Uh, and I would love that from all of you. And I would uh, can't wait to see and interview people in person again. That's all from this end. Have a great, great Pride Month. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio. Thank you for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast. Encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.